to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Praise God. Hallelujah. Been praying for me at all today? Thank you. I've been praying for you too. Hallelujah. We are living in the last of the last of the last days. And a little plug for uh, Sunday morning. Uh, I'm going to continue unless the Lord leads me different. Uh, on the end times, and I, I'm going to bring a message, I believe, a teaching, again out of Luke 21, but we're going to talk about Israel, we're going to talk about behold the fig tree, and some of the things that you've probably never heard before, uh, are just going to thrill your heart about, just from that perspective, all the prophetic signs that show us how close we are to stepping on out of here, so... Uh, God's really doing some things. People are turning to God like we were talking about earlier. And I encourage you, not only be here for uh, yourself, but bring somebody with you. Invite somebody. Uh, praise God. People are open. Just all that's going on in the world, people are open to some answers. And, of course, we know the answer, don't we? Uh, we know the answer is the Lord. So, uh, praise God. Amen. Uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Father, we love you tonight. We so thank you that you are... Uh, ever so moving and active and uh, intentional with us in our training and our development and making us more and more like you. We just so thank you, Father God, that no matter where we are in our development, no matter what stage we are in our journey, Father, you bless us where we are. You protect us. You are watching over us watchfully. Nothing escapes your eye or your attention. We just so thank you that, uh, God, we are mastering the faith life. That is our goal. We want to be uh, skillful with the faith that you have imparted to our spirits. Uh, not just for our own benefit, Father, but to bring our faith to the vision of this church. To bring our faith to the heavenly assignment. To equip believers. Uh, to lift the standard. And to be a church that is a beacon of the supernatural power of God to this region and yes, even to the world. Father God, and to use our faith for our extended family and others around us. So Lord, continue to impart revelation, knowledge and understanding. Quicken us, Father God. Tweak us tonight. Help us to hear something that's going to make us more productive in our faith life. God, I ask you to help me simply uh, to help the people in the name of Jesus. Amen. amen and amen. So as you could gather from the way I'm praying, we're going to talk some more about mastering the faith life. Every single one of you as children of God have the measure of the God kind of faith on the inside of you. The very faith that God used to create the world in the beginning is in you now. And so you'll not use it on such a level to create a universe or a solar system or a planet or keep things going. But everything around your life, everything orbiting around your life, you're supposed to be controlling. Amen. Living in dominion and causing the garden of your life to grow. I was praying over here, shut her down, shut her down. She's preaching my message. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, no, but it was, it was really, really good. And so if you remember the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the three basic, there's a lot of things that go into your faith life, right? For instance, your faith, you just forget faith if you won't walk in love. That's right. Because Galatians tells us that faith works by love. 
And so when you step out of love, you just unplugged your faith. Don't you ever hate that? You know, you get away with a power tool. For me, it's the vacuum. You know, I'm going along and all of a sudden there's no power. It's because I, it unplugged from the wall. Right? And it don't matter. I can continue on with all the motions of how you clean and use the vacuum. But if you don't walk over there and plug it back into the wall, it's not going to work. Right? It's not going to work. And, and uh, so your faith isn't going to work if you're not walking in love, especially in your home. Amen. And uh, so praise God. So there's a lot to talk about when it comes to faith, but we're just centering up on the, the, the bones of faith, the foundation of faith, the three vital ingredients that you have to have in the bowl and to mix up together, to work together, if you're going to call what you're doing and operating in Bible faith, right? Do you remember the, what the first ingredient was, anyone? Believe in your heart. Believe in your heart what God says. Really believe that you have received it is what Mark eleven twenty four 24 tells us to do. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, right? Believe you receive them and you shall have them. Verse 23, now I have you in Mark chapter 4, so don't let me confuse you. If I'm quoting out of Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says that we must believe and not doubt in our heart that the words we are speaking to the situations, to the mountains in our life, we're required to believe that the words we speak are coming to pass. So if you believe that what you're saying in your heart will come to pass, remember though we talked about you can have doubt in your mind, it still work for you. He didn't say anything about your mind. You're just going to have to learn to shut your mind off, ignore what's going on with your mind. But believe God in your heart. That's the first thing you have to do. You could be spouting stuff off, but if you don't believe it in your heart, it's not going to work. You have to believe in your heart. Amen? Amen. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. So if there's something that you're wanting and needing uh, for God to do in your life in some area, and you found it in the Word, you have to hear it. A lot of people think they can get it by reading it. Reading is wonderful, but faith doesn't come by reading. Faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by begging God for more faith. Amen. Faith comes by hearing. One way, faith comes by hearing. So that's the first ingredient. The second ingredient that we talked about is that you must speak what you believe from your heart. You must speak it out of your mouth. And uh, praise God, we're going to talk more about that. I have more in my heart to share with you about that. I'll go ahead and give you the third one. The third one is that you must act on what you believe and you must act in line with what you say. (laughs) And we'll get to that in due course. Amen. So here in Mark chapter 4, you know, to, you've been taught, even if it's just last week, okay, I must speak out of my mouth what I believe in my heart for it to be real faith, faith that's going to move mountains, faith that's going to appropriate promises. Y'all with me? But I like to know, it's good to know what, but I like to know the why about the what if I can. How does this, how does this really work? I want to know uh, God's ways. And so that's what we're going to focus on for a few minutes is the ways of God's kingdom and how it's related to words that we speak. Amen. Remember, we talked, we, had, we talked about some fun stuff last week. I even lit a fire in here last week, right? Your tongue is a what? Your tongue's a fire, right? 
And uh, so you carrying around a fire like I was like, you want to be careful about what you put that fire on. Well, you want to be really careful because your tongue is a fire. How you use that. Uh, amen. So let's get into this for a few minutes here in Mark chapter 4. There's so much here and we, we want to be efficient with our time. But look at uh, verse 13. It says, And he said unto them, Jesus said unto them, Know you not this parable? How then will you know all the parables? So Jesus spoke and taught a lot of wonderful spiritual lessons in parables. But notice he says here, I'm about to explain this parable to you. And if you don't get this parable, you're not going to understand any of the other lessons I've taught you. This is one of the master lessons of how the kingdom of God works. What's the uh, short verse? Verse 14, what does it say? The sower sows the word. And then he goes down for several verses explaining the different kinds of dirt, amen, that you could sow your seed in. She was talking a minute ago, and I'm going to talk about gardening myself and farming myself tonight if I can. And, uh, but one of the things that she said made, prompted me with this thought, you cannot hide what's in your dirt. You know, you till your soil, you know, when we created our garden plot, we tilled our soil, we, you know, you do everything you can to rake all that initial grass or rake all that initial weeds, get as much roots out. But you come back two weeks later and guess what? I mean, it's right there. So evidently you didn't get it all out. Why? Because you cannot hide what's in your heart. You cannot hide what's in your dirt. That's all going to come out eventually, out of the abundance of the heart to mouth speaks. And so we want to be good soil. Amen? We really want to be good soil. I want to try not to get ahead of myself here. So he goes on for through those scriptures and talks about seed going into different types of environments in people's hearts and the kind of fruit that doesn't come or the kind of fruit that eventually does come. But if you, uh, I just really wanted you to see here that his main point to begin with is the sower sows the word. What I want to get over to you tonight is saying is sowing. And a lot of people, they don't really, they hear me say, they hear teachers say, they read books on faith about confession, the importance of speaking the right words. Uh, and they, they go out and they get motivated for a day or a moment or a time and they say a few things, but nothing seems to change and they give up on it. Well, I want to just add to this that there's a dynamic about our saying, believing in our heart and saying what we believe in our heart. It is like farming. And you have to approach the, your life and the things you're wanting to cultivate from God. You want blessings, right? You want good things. How many of you, you want health. You want divine protection. You want the constant assistance of the angels. Uh, you want the favor of God. You want prosperity. All of these wonderful things. Well, they're not going to show up overnight. And they're not going to show up because you came to one service. Y'all found that out, right? And it's not going to happen because you said it once. Gardening, farming is not like that. When you set out to farm, when you set out to garden, you know you are engaging in a process. Getting a harvest is a process. It's not an event. It's just not an event. And if you're not willing to stay engaged and stay with it all the way through the planting time, the preparing of the ground time, the planting time, the watering time, the, shun, the sunshine time, the weeding time, the growing time, you're never going to get to harvest time. 
Amen. And so you need to understand about your words that saying is sowing. That's not my phrase. Look at what Jesus said. The sower soweth the word. Now, you need to understand all of the words you speak are seeds. What you and I want to do is to be like our Lord, be like Jesus. And Jesus said, I only say what I hear my Father say. And that's why Jesus was so outstanding in faith. He didn't speak anything, come on, that wasn't in agreement with what His Father had already said. And that's just what one of the traits that made Him so outstanding uh, in faith. But skip all the way down to verse number 26. And here's where I really wanted to dive in for a few minutes tonight. Verse 26 says, And He, Jesus, said unto them, So is the kingdom of God. He's going to tell us about the kingdom of God, isn't He? So is the kingdom of God. It is as if. Everyone say as if. So he's going he's to use an analogy here, and he's saying it's like this. The kingdom of God is like this. It works like this. So is the kingdom of God as if a man, a person, should cast seed into the ground. And the person should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow. He knoweth not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Now, is he not saying that the kingdom of God is farming? Come on, we can just break it down. He's saying the kingdom of God is farming. So if you want to be a thriving person in the kingdom of God, you've got to be a farmer. You have to have a farmer's mentality. You have to have a gardener's mentality. And nothing that a successful farmer does is instant. Dad Hagen used to tell us, God ain't got no instant pudding. (laughs) You know what he means like that. There is, you know, we live in a microwave, fast food, mobile order, Give it to me when I drive up or I'm going to be frustrated. Society. Amen. And you cannot bring that mentality into your operation and flow and interaction with the kingdom of God and it worked for you. God ain't got no instant pudding. Any of the things that you've ever gotten from God that seem to be instant, just thank God for His supernatural mercy and power that He just decided to move on your behalf really fast. He didn't do that because of you. He did that probably in spite of you, and He's just that good and wonderful. But if you want to have a lifestyle of victory, you've got to join the rest of us and become farmers. Now, the kingdom that Jesus speaks of right now is not earthly and natural. One day the kingdom of God will be visible on earth, ruled by our king in a visible earthly kingdom. That's coming. That's what we've been talking about on Sundays. But right now, the kingdom of God, where is the kingdom of God according to Romans? It's in you. The kingdom, the dominion of God, the realm of God is in you. 
And you need to know that if you're going to understand what he just said about the kingdom. So when he said the kingdom of God is as if a man sows seed into the ground, you have to think in me. Because that's where the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is in you. So the sower sows the word in you. Keep your finger here, but flip over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let me remind you of a verse I'm sure you know. Y'all all right? Hallelujah. Now, I really hope that these aren't just abstract things that you're learning. But do you have today objects of your faith? What are you believing? What are you, what are you using your faith for right now? And if you, if you don't have a quick answer to that question, come on, sweetheart, come on. You need to get with a program. Every single one of you need to be believing God for something financial and material that is beyond your budget, that is beyond your ability, right? You need, why? Because you need to practice, you need to master in these last days causing money to come that you didn't earn with the sweat of your brow. God wants to teach you that. I didn't say just go blindly buy a car you can't afford. I'm saying pray and claim some money and, and right, if nothing else, claim a seed to sow in the upcoming projects around here. You need to be believing God for something right now today, you and your family, in your business, something in the financial and material realm. What are you doing with your faith for your body? If you only use your faith for, you know, on your body, when sickness shows up, that's why sickness is showing up. I talk to my body every day and I'm not sick. I use my faith on my body every day to stay well. And it's just easy because in times when things are going good to get lax. Right? You know when, uh, you know, I don't want to wait for a fender bender to go, you know what, I really need to step up believing for divine protection for me and my family and my kids. No, every day, every day. So I want this to be something that you are leaving here and you have things that you're believing God for. Otherwise, how are you going to know if you're doing, how are you going to know if you're doing anything? How are you going to know if you're making progress? If you don't have a target, if you're not using your faith on something, and if you just can't think of anything, you come to me after service, and I'm going to give you a faith assignment because i got a list about this long. <laughs> Maybe you can believe God for the 25. Or how about just the 12,500 we need to put the HVAC people to work in Stacy's Children's Church class? How about that? You take that one off my list. I'll give you a list. Stacy could give you a list. My wife could give you a list. Come on, right? Okay. Where did I tell you to go? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, right? So look here at verse number uh, 5. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have what? Planted. Notice He's, he's a minister. And what is the minister doing? Planting. Apollos, what's he? A minister. 
What did he come back after Paul and do? My wife is talking about you have to water too, right? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. One of the things that we just still don't know today, and the Bible says you don't know. We just read it. The farmer, the kingdom of God is as if a man, he plants seed in the ground, and then he what? He, he, goes, he goes to bed, he rises up, he goes about his business night and day, but the seed springs forth and grows. He knoweth not how. I mean, that's just a miracle, right? You know, just like she said about the tomato. How do you take one tomato and you just work this thing and push, boom? I mean, you've got how God is the one that makes that seed produce, that, that has put that system in place that gives the increase. And He's always faithful to give the increase to the seed you take care of. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And uh, so there's a spiritual application of this, and this is what Paul's saying to them. What do you think it is that Paul's saying as a minister that he planted? The sower sows the, the word. The sower sows the word. And what was Apollos watering? The seed of the word that a previous minister had planted in the hearts of the people. And God gives the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither is he that waters, but God that gives the increase. Now he that plants and he that waters are one, and every man, here's the phrase I really want you to get, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. What labor? His or her labor in the word. His or her labor as a farmer in the kingdom. So every one of the families that is taking part right now in the WHC Garden Challenge this year, of which we exempted Miss Jennifer, she cannot officially participate because she is just way out there ahead of all of us. Her and Kim, but we're catching up. So we're going to let her maybe be the judge or something. Or did you guys let her in? Or I don't know. She's, she's an honorary member. She's a gardening mother in the, so she's the guru, absolutely. And uh, praise God. You know, no one talks about all the grunt labor that the guys do in the garden, you know. Not, not in my thing, you know. But anyway, you have to talk about all that. It's like, the, like that fence just got there by itself. <laughs> but I want you to look at this. Paul is talking about spiritual things. He's talking about the, the interaction as a minister and people. And his job as a minister, he's saying, I plant ministers, they plant and they water. But notice, every single one of us individually are going to receive a harvest according to our own labor. So the harvest my wife gets out of her garden will be in direct proportion to the labor she puts in. And that's true spiritually. The better the planter, the waterer, the worker of God's kingdom process, you're going to receive a greater reward. But if you neglect this kingdom principle of planting, watering, weeding, waiting, being patient, harvesting, if you're not thinking along that way as an aspect of your faith, you just want to have popcorn, you just want to have instant pudding, you just want to get it in the prayer line, right? You want to say something one time, 
and no, all, all the pain leave your body. Hello? Well, see, then you're not going to get a very big reward because you're not willing to labor. See, some of the greatest men and women of God on the planet, the most fruitful, what you're seeing is the fruit of their labor in the Word. And so many Christians don't have any fruit in their life because they, they labor in Xbox and they labor in hobbies and they labor in distractions and they labor in all kinds of things, but they don't really labor in the Word. They're not really active, disciplined gardeners of their own soil. And then can, they want to say this faith stuff doesn't work when they haven't been out to the garden in weeks. See, I want you to know, not only it's just, okay, you need to speak the word from your heart, but you need to know the, the system that God has put in place so that you can fully and intelligently cooperate with Him in these things. Are you with me? Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Let me get over here uh, to where I was. And so you could go back to Mark chapter 4. And so you need to understand saying is sowing. You're saying is you're sowing. And if you're smart, you're going to sow the right seed. You have to be careful. You know, I read, uh, I've been reading Charles Capps' book on faith and confession. He says, you better check the seed before you sow it. You better check the seed before you sow it. You know, and so when I went out with my wife and she said, okay, honey, this is, you can call this yours. You're going to, you're going to have the corn. And so we, we, we had prepared the soil and I, I hoed my row and she, we had corn seed. Notice it wasn't mingled seed. Yeah. I'm going to sow this. I want this one particular thing. And so we sow that in the ground, sow that in the ground. And just like she said during the offering period, I didn't cover that up and water it and the next day walk out and get mad because I didn't have ears of corn to put on the grill. I know that I have started a process. What did Jesus say here? He said, first the blade, then the ear. Then the full corn in the ear. Amen. Do you see that he's describing a process? So do you see the, the harvest of your healing? Could it come instantly? Sure. It has many times in ministry lines and different things. But to get it yourself on your own faith as a matter of due course as a child of God, you need to understand you may have to farm it out. You may have to farm it into existence and not just say, well, I said by his stripes, you know, three times one afternoon, nothing ever happened. That's like saying, and I planted and went out and did really was good in my garden for the first three days, but I never got any tomatoes. What you're, what you're going to expect to see is a little, what we get excited about is, look at that, look at that, something sprouted out of the ground. First the blade. And we saw that with the corn. But now we're in the second, in my garden, we're in the second stage. And that corn is getting after it. The stalk and the leaves is established and it's there. And it's really growing every week. But eventually here, we're going to see the ear begin to form. And see, this is what's happening as you labor in the Word. So, uh, you know, I've got, uh, well, I'll just tell you, I've had some arthritic pain in this thumb joint. I've had, a, I don't know if it's carpal tunnel symptoms. I don't know if it's just, i just a really physical person, and I just got nerve and muscle pain going up this forearm. It's very painful and, and discomforting. And, 
and I'm trying to type and book me, all that kind of stuff. So, but what, I'll just tell you what I've been doing. I've just decided I'm going to drill down on uh, 1 Peter 2.24. That's going to be my verse. That's my seed. We're not talking about corn. I don't want corn. Corn isn't going to help my thumb joint. I need to get into the Word of God and find the incorruptible seed that's going to produce what I want in this instance, which is bodily healing. And so I have been gardening and farming and cultivating that. So you understand, when you say a vital ingredient of faith is to uh, believe in your heart, you understand that what Jesus means here is that your heart is the soil. Your spirit is the soil. And it is like dirt, right? Dirt tries to grow whatever a man puts in it. And that's what your spirit's designed to do. It's to just grow what you put in it. We, I had you turn away from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but if you were to read on just another verse or so, Paul said, you are God's husbandry. You are God's building. That word husbandry means cultivated ground. You are God's cultivated ground. That's what Paul was saying. As a minister, me and Apollos, we are planters. You are the dirt. We are the farmers. And the word is the seed. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. So what are you putting in the dirt of your spirit? Is it crime shows? Is it soap operas? Is it... Uh, romance novels? Is it comic books? What is it? Well, what is getting down in my dirt? How does something get in my dirt? Is something you say and something you hear. There are kids out there that are broken because all that parents and life put in those children was dysfunction and abuse and lies. And people wonder how come that life, that heart is producing. They're producing the seed that was put in them. Right? Thankfully, that can change. You just got to pluck up some stuff. Pull out the weeds. Put some Holy Ghost Roundup on that stuff. And start planting Start planting. But see, people want a heart, just like my wife was saying. I said, God, Father, stop her. She's preaching my message. If you're not willing to have faith to plant, then you're not willing to be successful in God's kingdom. But do you have the faith to sow seed and to be a farmer? I believe you do. You just got to know what you're supposed to do and why this thing works like this. So he said, uh, uh, the kingdom of God is as if a man should cast seed into the ground. So you're the ground. You got that? You're the ground. Your spirit is the ground. And the word of God is the incorruptible seed. It's the best seed. I was listening to Dr. Jacobs. He was saying back at Otisco, uh, God had given them a place to live where they could have horses in a garden. And he kept planting corn out there. And the, the grubs and the, not the grubs, but the, the varmints, the rodents kept eating it all up. And he went over to a farmer that had, you know, fields of corn. He said, hey, what's the deal? you got these fields of corn. He said, you're not sowing the right seed. Come over here and I'll show you. I've got some treated seed that those varmints and rodents won't touch. See, you want to sow the incorruptible seed. 
So what I've been doing, I'm just telling you what I'm doing. I'm, I'm being a farmer. So, you know, that verse says, who, who himself, Jesus himself, uh, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that I being dead unto sins might live under righteousness by whose stripes I was healed. So see, I'm, I'm reading that every day and I'm thinking about that and I'm meditating on it. And so I, when I said it once and claimed it, released my faith, well, that's me planting it. But like my wife said, am I done? No, and if you just think I said it once and I'm walking off and I'm done, then you'll know now why healing never came. Because you planted a seed and walked off and left it thinking with, that it could just thrive and do what it needs to do without nurturing. But that thing needs light. Is that right? Every seed needs light. It's got to have light. Well, how do I put light on my seed? Well, see, as you meditate that same scripture, light, in the, spiritually speaking, is illumination and revelation knowledge. So the more I think about that, the more I, hmm, praise God, He already took upon himself my sins, the sins that caused my sickness. He already bore in his own body on the tree that now I'm dead to sin so that I can, and I'll think, hmm, that means I, my job is to live under righteousness. I got to live right. See, so that's light. I'm thinking about that. Hmm. So he didn't do this for me so that I could go continue to live in habitual sin. Amen. He bore, his, he bore my sins in His own body on the tree that I being dead now unto sins through the new birth might live unto righteousness. Okay, Chris, are you living right? See, so see as I meditate on that, I'm making myself available to God and I am putting the sunlight on the seed that I planted. And it says, by whose stripes we were, or I personalize it, I was healed I was what's the light on that I was if I was healed means it's already been done it's already happened in God's mind it's an established fact and so if I was healed that means I am healed and so I just lift my hand and say father so good to be healed so good not to have arthritic pain so good to be able to use my arm and lift things and do my work and not hurt thank you father Amen. well see I put light on it now I'm watering that seed And do I have symptoms? Still, yes, I still have symptoms. But guess what? First the blade. The Word of God is a seed. God ain't got no instant pudding. I'm not expecting it. I don't care. I don't care if it's a day. I don't care if it's two days. You know, I don't care if it's three weeks. All I know is, is that if I'll plant the seed and put light on the seed and water the seed, I will go to bed and go about my business. The farmer, what does he do after he does what he needs to do? I mean, Amber doesn't spend all that time. She, she, a little here, a little there, a little there every day. But then she goes to bed and she gets up and she does all of her other work. Amen. And how we go out there and then there's something that's happened. That's God giving it the increase. Amen. This is how you're going to get more prosperous. Are you planting the seeds of harvest and increase and prosperity? So you remember in the analogy I gave you about Dr. Jacobs, the farmer said, listen, this afternoon, come over to my barn with a little sack and I will give you. So he had to go get the right kind of seed. And when he took it, he goes, you know what? That's just amazing. That corn came up and we had corn that fall. 
because of he right? Well, where are you going to go to get the right seed from? Where are you going to get it? You're holding the feed sack in your lap right now. Your Bible is the feed sack. It's the seed store for everything you're going to need in life. You can sow the seed for a better marriage. Sow the seed for kids that love God with all their heart. I've been saying over my kids since, I'm little, since they've been wee little, my children taught of the Lord. Great shall be the peace of my children. My children are going to love God and serve God all the days of their life. They're going to marry the perfect will of God for their life. See, when I do that, man, I'm, I'm farming the life I want. But so many people, they just don't get this. They got loose lips. Their tongue's of fire. And they have got all, they got, a, they got a mess of a garden. Well, praise God. Thank God there is something called a rototiller. Right? That's the great thing about a rototiller, man. You can just mess that thing up, but you just and just start over. It's like I was reading after Charles Capps today. He said, most people, he said, uh, they pray and then they say. They pray and then they nullify what they prayed by what they say. He said another thing all Christians often do is they pray the problem. They pray the problem, they don't pray the answer. Oh, Father God, you know my husband, he, can't, he just seems to always have trouble. And my husband, he just lost his job. He can't keep a job. And oh, Father, you know we're going to lose our house this fall because he can't keep a job. And oh, Father, please just do something about it. Well, see, you're going to get up. You've got no faith. You've got no scripture. And all you did was pray the problem. Yeah. And all you did was tell God what the devil said. And what the circumstances have said. And then you want to wonder why you're getting the crop of that. Bible never says for you to pray the problem, and the Bible never says for you to pray against something. Yeah. I've caught myself doing that. I've heard lots of Christians praying against the coronavirus. I don't pray against the coronavirus. I pray and claim healing power and divine protection. Stop praying against stuff. I don't pray against temptation. I don't pray against, oh, Father, I just so thank you that, God, I just pray against the car accident. I pray against my son breaking his leg today. I pray, you're going to have a broke leg for sure praying that. Stop praying that way. Jesus said, what things soever you desire. Pray the desire. What things soever you desire. Believe you receive your desire. What do you desire? Well, sure enough, I don't desire broken. What I desire is to be kept by the power of God in every arena. What I desire is to be protected. What I desire is to be lifted up by the angels. What I desire is for no plague to come near my dwelling. So that's what I pray. And that's what I say. A lot of people, they get in a prayerful stance and they do pray the desire and they pray according to the word and then they get out there and they leave their prayer moment and then their saying nullifies their praying. Mm -mm -mm. You all with me? Hallelujah. So what you have to understand is that you're working a process. Your miracle harvest is not an event. It's an it's a predictable outcome. 
So you have to cultivate, you want a whole field of wonderful looking spiritual plants called my God shall supply all my needs. You know, we didn't plant just one tomato plant. We bred several of them. Amen? See, I've been saying that for years when needs come up. My God supplies. My God supplies all. And a lot of people say, how are we going to make it? Why would you want to plant that seed? That's what you did. You planted how are we going to make it seed. That's why Charles Capp said you better check the seed before you sow it. Is that really what you want? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Here's something from him. If you pray one thing and say another, your saying will nullify your praying. You can't pray one thing and say another. If you do, you'll nullify your praying. He said in his book, he said uh, uh, one time he was meditating, having some time with the Lord, and the Lord broke in on him and says, uh, Son, my word is not void of power. My people are void of speech. So see, for this thing to work for you, the kingdom of God is as if Suzanne, right, sows the word. She goes to bed, she rises up, and that seed comes up, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, and then what did Jesus say? Then immediately, you put in the sickle, for the harvest has come. So church, this is God's way. This is God's mode of operandi, right? This is how He does things. He is a farmer. We'll close maybe with this thought, Genesis 8.22. Last verse in Genesis chapter 8. You know, after the, really the second, I don't want to let that confuse you, but the second global destruction of divine judgment on the planet, Noah's flood wasn't the first, it was the second. And uh, anyway, uh, Noah gets off the boat and he, he uh, worships God and he, uh, he uh, sacrifices and, and, and there's an offering and, the, and the, the Bible says that God smelled a sweet odor, a sin from Noah's offering and God looked down and said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. From this moment on, seed, time, and harvest, cold and Heat, winter and summer shall not cease. So God said from now on, this is how this is going to go. Seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. And as long as the earth remains, that's how God does things. Seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. Right? Hallelujah. And see, it's just up for you and I to understand how God does things and to just be faithful and diligent to work His system. Amen? Very simple teaching tonight. I really kind of feel like I'm done, but did you get that? So you have a problem come up and your finances kind of shocked you and you oh, where's that scripture at? And that's a good thing to do. And you say, well, I, you know, God shall supply all my need. You just walk off and, and nothing really seems to happen. You get frustrated with what we're teaching. But you have to understand this principle. It's a process. 
You need to live this way. You need to live the farmer's life every day. Do something with your garden every day. That way, if you do something with your garden every day, then eventually, every day becomes a due season. Because of all the things you cultivated yesterday are showing up today. And the things you're doing today are going to show up in your life tomorrow. So see, you and I are in charge with the life we want to have and the life we do have. The marriage, the ministry, the business, the finances, the health, the mind, everything. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you.